Welcome to the Pastor's Call Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before we begin today's episode, just want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I have the pleasure of serving. We are an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. Well, today I'm so excited to have joining me as my guest. He is the lead pastor at Hope Community Christian Church, located in Marlette, Michigan, up in the Thumb region of this beautiful state. I want to welcome Paul Rowling onto the show. Hey, Joel. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you so much for joining. So excited to have you with me today. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Well, let's do what we always do. We're just going to jump right into it. I'd love for you to give us a little bit about your background and story and what you felt your call to be a pastor was. Sure. So for me, uh, you know, I grew up in church life. I grew up as a Catholic kid. And so I, you know, went to church once a week and that was a big part of our family history. Um, You know, I didn't have much of a walk with God. It was just something I did. And at the ripe old age of 18, me and about six of my buddies, we had joined this gym and start working out together. And the gym owners were all Christians. And uh, they invited us to a Bible study on a Friday night back in 1990. And we all went. I think we looked up to these guys because they were all big and we wanted to get big. And so we're working out of this gym. And uh, the the lady who led the Bible study, she had presented the gospel to us. And I'll tell you what, I I was just ready. You know, God had been working on my heart, apparently. I didn't even realize it. And that night, you know, I, uh, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And by God's grace, it was one of those moments where when he got me, he really got me. You know, it was like life was never going to be the same again. And I, I woke up the next day a different guy. And that began my pursuit of God. And, uh, and from age 18 to age 38, that 20-year span, uh, I, I just got heavily involved in church life. You know, I, I would uh, become, I, I taught a lot of classes and I ended up preaching a lot of different churches and being on the worship team, running groups, doing all the fun things you do. And, uh, and there were, there were uh, quite a few opportunities like to come on staff as assistant pastor at different places. I always turned it down. Number one, I, I liked what I did in my career. And secondly, uh, I just was very intimidated by the idea of pastoring. That just sounded like like I put pastors on a pedestal, and so I thought, who am I to dare think I could ever do that? And uh, so that, that went on for about 20 years of just studying with pastors and, and being a student of the word and, and, and preaching and whatnot. And uh, funny thing, 20 years later, or maybe it wasn't quite 20 years, maybe I should say maybe about 18 years later at this point, uh, I, did, I, I was doing a little breakfast with a group of guys. We all were from different churches, and we were all kind of at a place in our life where we were a little discouraged what was happening in our different churches. And we, we were reading a book together called Holy Discontent by Bill Hybels. And it was basically Bill's story of how he planted a church because he was kind of discontent with what he was seeing in, in the churches he was involved in. And so all of us were kind of resonating with that. And, and one of the guys had a crazy idea and he said, you know, maybe we could start a church. And, uh, and so we all went out and looked at what does it take to get ordained and licensed, you know, on the fast track, so to speak. And long story short, that, and that's a very short version of a long story of how I uh, got involved. And, and really, there's one other piece to that. I was just going to really help launch the church. I was one of three guys and I was kind of in my mind going to be like, well, I'll just help get it started, you know, and lo and behold, God was in it. And by the end of that two years, it was a two-year time frame there. God had really confirmed to myself and my wife, this is what we're supposed to do. We should be pastoring. And, and so that, that changed everything for me. 
Hmm. So kind of in the lead up to uh, to this whole time, what was was there any process of training or education? You mentioned looking out ordination. So what did some of that look like for you? So in the meantime, I went to college later in life. I went to Rochester College, Christian College. I got my bachelor's degree. And uh, at the time, I got licensed through an organization called Elam, uh, Elam Fellowship. And they they were good about helping people plant churches and uh, people that might not have had, you know, gone, gone licensed or ordained the traditional way. And so, you know, they would do this vigorous interview process, talk to people you knew, saw what your, your biblical understanding was, and, and they would help you plant churches, basically. They didn't help financially or anything. It was more just guidance and giving you some credentials. And, and so that's the route I went back then just to get started. And these other two fellows did the same thing. So the three of us got licensed and ordained through Elam and launched our, our, our startup church there. And it, it's, you know, fascinating to see, you know, at the church that you're still at. How long have you been there then now since it's been Hope Community? So yeah, that that church I started with those two guys that lasted two years, and it and it was in Emily City, and God used to plant this desire in us to to plant our own church in our own backyard here in Marlette. So fast forward, backing up, I should say, the church we're in now that we planted, uh, we've been there twelve years. We just celebrated twelve years back in January. Started in our living room, and now, uh, you know, we're, we're in the building we're in. And, and to be honest, Joel, since you were there last, it doesn't even look the same. Expanded our sanctuary, and we're we've we've added on so it's it's been it's been a fun journey (laughs) yeah well i'd love for you to talk about some of the dynamics you know i've talked to some pastors who've been involved in church revitalization or have been a part of church plants um but you know aren't still involved at those locations necessarily so what has this that process looked like you know now that you've been a part of two different church planting uh, situations, you know, what What were some of those dynamics like? What were some of the things that you learned? Obviously, there's going to be things that you did right and things that you did wrong. So, you know, w- would you like to take a couple minutes and talk about some of those things for us? Absolutely. So first and foremost, uh, when I helped plant the first church with the other two guys, I realized that trying to have three guys in charge at the same time, <laughs> let's just say that can be a challenge. And, uh, and so by the end of that two years, when, when I had said that, we've, I had felt it, a confirmation in my heart that I should be actually maybe planting my own work in Marlette, you know, with my wife. Um, I learned a lesson right off the bat. I thought, my, I thought my buddies would be like, wow, that's great. We're expanding and this and that. Let's just say it, that that was not the response. Hmm. And so that was kind of hard, you know, and, um, and they, they, uh, they kind of made it known that, that that was they weren't exactly excited about that because they were afraid of what it could mean for the work in Emily City and I get that and and so we we stepped down and uh, just kind of decided to take our time and start in our living room a few months later and just take it slow and in and, and Marlette but taking it slow wasn't really going to be an option because within a month we needed to be in a building we we outgrew our little living room and which isn't hard to do when you're in a living room and uh, we ended up renting some space at a, at a coffee shop in the corner on Sundays. And that ended up really growing to the point where we bought a building. It was a tiny little church building that, that we ended up renovating. And we were there for only about two years because that grew to having to do three services on Sunday morning because it was a small space. And then we bought the building that we're in now that, that you saw me, Joel, uh, back uh, when we met last time. And, uh, and then we had to go to two services at that building. And now 
uh, we've just expanded it and uh, thankfully have already filled it uh, for two services still. So it's, it's just been kind of a, a crazy journey over 12 years of, uh, you know, just building this thing up. I think one of the key things I've learned is uh, it's really important, I think, as pastors that we fall in love with our area. You know, I think people can see through it. They can see through it if you're a, if this is a stepping stone, if, if you know, Marlette is, you know, I'll, I'll go here for a little bit, but only to move on. We, we love the area that we're in. We feel God mm-hmm. called us here. We are not Marlette people. You know, we're from the city. Uh, you know, my wife and I lived in Sterling Heights and Clinton Township. We, we didn't know Marlette up in the thumb, but, but we love it, you know. And uh, I think that, that definitely helps when people see you've embraced the area, the people, you're here to stay kind of a mindset, not not just passing through. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a beautiful, uh, for the most part, it's been a real beautiful 12 years. Mm. Oh, awesome. Well, and, and just to kind of carry on on that track related to, you know, to church planting, there's always, you know, that discussion, you know, maybe that was some of the concern from, you know, Imlay City that it's going to pull people away as well. But, uh, you know, what was, what did some of that involvement look like even in the early days, even in relation with evangelism uh, and, you know, new salvations? How much of a role has that really played in the last, you know, over a decade now at uh, at your church? It's been a huge part of it. Uh, I'm very happy to say that a large percentage of our church uh, had never been to church before. They've been to a church service before. And so there's a lot of, in the beginning especially, it was a lot of new converts. And what we were really lacking in those first couple of years is seasoned believers to come alongside and help disciple all the new believers. Uh, now that we've, we're several years in, by God's grace, there's there's a nice mix. There's a nice mix of seasoned folks who've been serving the Lord a long time and have the maturity, um, yet uh, continue to have a nice flow, I would say, of, of new believers. So, but yeah, evangelism was a big part of it. Outreach has always been our heart. Um, I, I've often said that I feel like our church has been kind of a church for people who don't like church, because <laughs> We're, we're not as traditional. We're just kind of like, come however you are. Don't get me wrong. We preach the truth, but but we we, we have a little slogan at our church. We're going to love the face off of our community to the point where they face. You know, this is a running joke at our so, uh, We talk about seeing faceless people all over town, but, but our mindset really is just, you know, whatever you look like, wherever you are in your life right now, we're going to love you. We're going to surround you, and, and we're going to preach truth to you, though, you know, and, and uh, that, that's kind of been our philosophy. And so, uh, but yeah, that's, but, but in the meantime, as you know, being in ministry, you're always going to have those people that were discontent where, where they were already attending church, and so there's always going to be transplants, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, we certainly don't go looking for those people, you know, people will come on their own accord, that's, that's going to happen. But we've always uh, chased after the the lost, chased after those who are the unchurched, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, what has some of that community involvement then, you know, been? You know, when talking about integrating and being a part of a community and loving a community. So, in your particular context, you know, what has some of that particularly looked like? Uh, I've been in your building a number of times related to men's encounter ministry. Um, you got your church has been gracious enough to host prayer nights and other stuff in relation to that. But what else? What other parts of that uh, has that looked like for your congregation? We have, uh, I'd like to say, many different facets of ways we get into the community to try to, to bridge that gap. We do a thing, uh, sometimes we've, we've done it two, three times a year, sometimes only once a year, but we do this thing that we call Service Sunday, where we have everybody come to the church on a Sunday like they normally would. We only do one service that day, 
we have a worship time. I get up and speak for 10 minutes. And then we go into the community with a bunch of pre-already planned service projects, just mm. blank community, you know, and, and we try to do more like in people's homes. So we target widows, we target, you know, that, that need repairs done at their house or they need something done, um, single moms, uh, just different projects, just people that are just down and out in the community that don't have the finances necessarily or, or, or the means to help, help with a certain situation in their, at their house, their residence. And so we go out and we do that, uh, which has helped us to get in front of people. We open our doors for a variety of things throughout the year. Um, you know, even if it's just to come in and have a cup of coffee on a cold, we try to do things outside of just the service. We also, uh, if you call, um, uh, what is it on Salvation Army, if you were to call the Salvation Army in anywhere in Sanilac County, that that phone rings at our church. We are the gatekeeper for, for Salvation Army of Sanilac County. And uh, so if somebody can't make a bill. Uh, Sanilac County, basically, they call us, and we have volunteers at our church who meet with them and help them not only with an electric bill, but the beautiful thing is with Salvation Army is there's no strings. We can preach the gospel to anybody who walks in, even though they're giving us funding to give to people. And we've had numerous people come to know the Lord through Salvation Army uh, right at our building there. And so... Uh, you know, we have guys in our church that have an outreach ministry where they go door to door to everybody in Marlette. Not, not this, this uncomfortable, you know, uh, do you know Jesus kind of thing at the door, but more so, hey, we're from Hope Church. How can we bless you? Is there something we can pray for you for? It's, it's not this pushy um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of approach. And so uh, I think it's just been a variety of things like that. I, I, the people in our church are just awesome people that have caught the vision. So just spread the word of what we're doing at the church and in the community. And, uh, you know, I think it's just a combination of all that. Mm-hmm. It's been effective. Thank the Lord. Hmm. Well, awesome to hear, you know, always love seeing and hearing how churches get very practically alongside with spiritually involved. Um, I think even if you have other focuses, it just brings such life to a church and to a congregation to be able to pour out like that. Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to just kind of, point to something different for just a moment. Uh, your wife is an associate pastor at the church as well. Um, so what's some of that dynamic co-ministering with your your spouse? You know, what does that look like, you know, for other, for pastors who their wives do different things non-ministry related? Yeah, it's a good thing she likes me. That helps a lot. <laughs> like uh, it really goes a long way. Uh, well, be honest with you, I feel very blessed because uh, from the time we got, we've been married 25 years. And when we first got married, um, a lot of our ministry together was music. My wife's the worship uh, leader at our church. I play guitar. So we've always done a lot of music together. And so we always had that. But as, uh, as the call to pastor became more and more real to me, she also was always a, a major student of the word, you know, and that's been something we both have been passionate about our walk with God. It was, you know, that was, that was a, a big thing before we got married. We, we thank God we were Christians back then when I met her, and we were both chasing the Lord. And so, uh, as I was growing in my faith, she was growing in her faith, and and we a lot of our discussions throughout the years were were about the Lord and and our both our passion for ministry. So when this finally happened, and we launched this church, it was such a head start having uh, my wife be passionate about the ministry because I've met pastors where their wife just says, yeah, that's kind of your thing. And I'm just over here on the sidelines. My job's to bake pies for the ladies event or whatever, you know, it's just, that's fine too, if that's your thing. 
But in my wife's case, Erin, she uh, she just loves people. She loves the Lord. She knows the word. Uh, and so it's, it's a great dynamic to be able to do the ministry together when your wife is just as passionate. And I'll tell you what's great about it. Uh, we do a lot of counseling. So, you know, uh, whether it's marital counseling, um, if it's whatever kind of counseling it is, having her come along with me. I, I, hospital visits are better with my wife with me. Everything I do, if I can bring her, I mean, I have other pastoral team as well, but, but having her to be able to do a lot of this with me and to shoulder it, like when, when we're, we go through things together, when there's a heartbreaking situation, we're in it together. And I'll tell you, sometimes with counseling, um, you know, I, I'm often going to be the one who's talking a lot, and then all of a sudden, she won't say much, and then she'll say five words, and I'll be like, man, those five words she said are more powerful than what I just said for 20 minutes. I should have just let her talk, you know. <laughs> we other out. She'll have strengths. I don't, and vice versa. And uh, it's fun, you know. It's been a it's been a fun dynamic. I, uh, I, I it's something we get to do together that we love, you know. So, and we balance each other out quite a bit because, like I said, our styles are different, our personalities are different, and yet it works. So, oh, well, yeah. really, really, really cool to hear. So over yeah, the you. the time now that you've been, uh, you know pastoring and this church has been growing and and developing and seeing this community built up what's been kind of one of the lessons that you've learned kind of through all of this um you know that's kind of really stuck with you over the over the decade and a half now um i, I think the greatest lesson i've learned is if god is in it you know he's going to build it he's going to bring the people um you know to don't panic if somebody, you know, leaves. I, I, one, of, one of my associate pastors who was with me for 10 years, very talented man who wore a lot of hats, uh, ended up moving to Tennessee. He's got, he's got some sons in Tennessee in the Nashville area, and he wanted to be closer to his boys. And I thought to myself, man, how, what are we going to do, you know, and, and how are we going to make it? He did so many things for me only to find God bring people that can fill right, right in those roles. And I brought on some staff since he left. That was two years ago. And we just haven't missed a beat. Nothing against him. He's, he's still great. But, but he, God has people. You know, he, he will always, if he's in it, he's going to build it. And he's going to bring the people. And, uh, you know, I, I heard another pastor say something that I loved. It was one of my mentors. He says, Jesus and a great team. That's really what you need. Jesus and a great team. And, and I feel like, man, that is so true. If, if Jesus is in it, he will bring people. And, and I think, you know, the other thing that really helps is uh, that I'm learning and that I've learned is empower people. People with giftings, they want to they serve. They want to get involved. You know, don't make it a one-man show. Let people soar in their gifts Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere where somebody else is going to let them, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a very team minded guy. And, you know, I like to discover and uncover people's giftings. You know, I, uh, I watched a Mike Tyson documentary many, many years ago and, and, his, and his trainer said, he goes, I'm not a creator. I can't create greatness, but I discover and uncover. And I, I kind of stole that and I said, I like that. And I, I want to help people discover their giftings, their talents, and then help them soar in them. You know, people are. People thrive when you give them an, uh, an avenue to use their gifts. And uh, so I, I've learned, I guess I'd say that was a big lesson I've learned too, is, is God will bring the people, and when he does, let them walk in their giftings. Mm, some awesome words. Well, kind of shifting our focus from, you know, looking back at lessons that you've kind of learned, 
uh, and experience. Now kind of looking forward, what do you see as maybe some major challenges that pastors are going to see in the coming years? Uh, obviously, you know, through hearing stories, we don't just want to encourage those who are already pastors, but my hope is that we're encouraging those who maybe feel a call into pastoral ministry that you know, maybe they're they're going to hear your story or someone else's story and be encouraged. Okay, yes, this is what God's calling me to. Uh, so, from someone who's already been a pastor or sitting in that role, what do you see as kind of some major challenges for pastors in the in this next coming years? So, I would say, uh, in my personal opinion, walking that fine line of balance between loving people where they're at and loving their face off, but yet not watering down the truth of the, of, the, of the gospel, the word of God, and yet finding a way to walk that line because we, we are moving more and more into a hyper-sensitive, hyper-offensive. People get offended really, really, really easy today. And so I think there's always going to be that fear like, oh, man, I can't say this or that because I'm stepping on too many toes. And yet I think that is the challenge is finding that way to sincerely, not, not in a fake way, sincerely love the people that are in your community that you get to that you get to minister to and loving them when i say loving them i don't mean just the ones that look nice and believe everything you do that's that's easy but loving everybody you know like really trying to, to reach everybody in your community and and where they really know they're loved but yet at the same time you're still holding to the truth mm. uh, gospel and truth of, of god's word uh, i think of jesus himself you know the, the bible says that you know he was a friend of sinners Sinners love to be around Jesus, yet Jesus never compromised the truth. You know, somehow he, well, he's Jesus, but he, he, he found a way to do that, where he walked that, that line. And uh, that's my goal, you know, where I'm, I'm going to reach all different kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds and different beliefs. And they're going to see a guy who genuinely loves them. But when the rubber meets the road, I'm still going to be true to the gospel, true to the word of God and not feel like I need to change it. So they'll like me or they'll want to come to the church, you know, Uh, and I think that is a challenge because I think we're going to feel the pressure more and more over the years. Uh, You know, the temptation to brand us as, I don't know, haters or, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, not compassionate because we stand on this truth or that truth. I think there is that there's going to be that challenge and Mm -hmm. I, and I think challenge already. And I I don't see that going away. Mm. And I def- definitely agree, you know, something that we all have to consider. I think it's something that only the Holy Spirit <laughs> can help us find find the balance because yeah. in our day and age, we cannot, you know, I'm listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, a podcast produced by Christianity Today. So you have your kind of brash yeah. culture in your face, culture warrior, Mark Driscoll, um, or you go to the complete opposite side that we see in more progressive circles where they just kind of let slide and let go. Um, yes. and you know, one, one theme for my tradition particularly is talking about having that middle way, um, you know, where, where there's a reality of, of love, but also truth. And, you know, so, yes. so I, I definitely think there's, there's something there for all of us to consider and pray to allow the Holy spirit. Maybe where have I had a blind spot to, to this? Have I been too hard or have I been too soft and allowing him to, to work? Well, there's a there's a Spurgeon quote I love. He talks about living in the Bible, but reading many good books. And through the power of the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, we've been changed and transformed by God's word. But what have been one or some of those good books that uh, have impacted you or you've just enjoyed? Well, there's been so many over the years, but, but what I'm reading right now, um, uh, one of my passions is apologetics. Uh, I, I love 
uh, earning the right, so to speak, to sit down and talk with skeptics, people who don't believe as we do. And, and the cool thing is with, with our faith is I think a lot of people think, you know, there, 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 doesn't, there isn't evidence for what we believe. So it's just this thing we pull out of thin air. You know, we just believe it because we want to believe it. But the cool thing is there is so much evidence for what we believe. And so I've been, I've been on a kick lately. Of, uh, I mean, I've taught a lot of apologetic classes, but I also like to read books on apologetics and how to talk to skeptics and how to defend your faith. And I'm reading two of them right now at the same time. I'm reading a book called Tactics by Greg Kolkel. Yeah, All great book. Favorite book, yeah. yeah. Isn't that a great book, man? I love his approach. And and then there's another one that's fairly new called "Is Atheism Dead?" by Eric Metaxas. And uh, and and I've. I thought I'd read everything on apologetics you could read, and then he wrote this book, and there's all this all this new evidence that I'd never considered. So, um, those are two books that I recommend. And if you're if you're interested in knowing how to sit down with a wide variety of skeptics, and not feel intimidated or like ill-equipped, I think those are two books that make it easy. You know, because I would want these debates in the past. You know, with guys who are professors and like and scientific professors, and they're communicating. I think I can't talk like those guys. They know so much, you know, stuff about science. And like, I I can't regurgitate that. But the stuff in these kind of books, like anybody can learn and and feel confident. And yet, it's done in love. It's not done in this harsh. You know, I'm just I'm just out to mm-hmm. prove you wrong and attack you because I don't want to just win an argument. Mm-hmm. I want to win the right to be able to present the gospel. You know. Mm-hmm. And show that hey, we're, we're, us Christians aren't just these simple people that you know that just blindly believe, but there is beautiful evidence. Mm. Behind, you know, it's a yeah. cool thing. Yeah, love tactics. It's a book I should probably read again. Uh, you know, it doesn't always necessarily focus on the what, but the how and the why when you're when you're talking to somebody about faith. So it you know it's not yeah. about giving you a list of arguments, but it's how do you have these discussions. A lot of it centers around that thought about Christ. You know, he he asked questions. Um, yeah. So like, you know, those, you know, the uh, the Columbo method, you know, just like asking questions, basically like, why? Why do you say that? Why do you think that? Why do you believe that? Um, yeah. and, and a lot exactly. of times the person you're talking to answers that question themselves and realizes yeah. that kind of maybe the weakness of the position they're coming from. So definitely recommend yeah. uh, Tactics by Kokel. Um, a timeless read just to, you know, even outside of apologetics, just having conversations with people. Um, yeah, for sure. Can get to the bottom. Yeah. Well, Power. I, yeah, very powerful. Well, thank you so much uh, for taking time to join me today. Uh, some great discussions, especially related around church planning. I know it's kind of starting to be a buzz topic in, in the church world as a whole as people looking to plant new churches. Just in uh, our county alone, if every church had a thousand people, we wouldn't have enough churches if there was a you know a major move. So, uh, yeah. you know, uh, maybe there's something for you know, I hope and pray there are those out there who've heard this that can be encouraged, um, you know, who want to do uh, do church planning. So thank you so much for joining me today, Paul. Absolutely my pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, and I want to thank the sponsor for the show. It's Blue Water Free Methodist Church. We're an intentional community reflecting Jesus to our world. And of course, I want to thank you, the listener, for joining us on another episode. You can find us wherever podcasts are found. Please subscribe, please like, please share, please leave a review, share it with your friends and family, share it with your pastor, and we'll see you next episode on the Pastor's Call podcast. God bless.